Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. So obviously you've got a very different perspective uh, from everyone that we've talked to already because you actually wrestle alongside your own brother. Now obviously I know there's a lot of brothers in professional wrestling, but some are kind of made up. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some aren't even in the same companies, some aren't even on the same continents. But this is where I think you're going to have such a different perspective. Because I'm sure there's going to be good and bad thing, uh, points to wrestling with an actual sibling. Because chances are you've been fighting with each other since you were born, it, I guess. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I still remember the days where Barry was, you know, dropping me on the head on couches and stuff like that when we were little, you know. I mean, it's one that, yeah, it's it's one of them things where if you've got siblings, chances are you everyone fights. I know Vince McMahon's quite famous for saying that brothers don't fight, and everyone's like, no, no. Since you've got a brother, you fight. You just. Oh yeah. Um, What would you reckon the outcome was of these fights? Did uh, the older brother Barry did he win the majority or? I mean, he he had to really, didn't he? You know, being um, you know, he's quite a few years older than me, so. You know, um, but, you know, eventually I got taller and taller than him and uh, I managed to overpower him a few times when I got a bit older, you know, going into high school. Um, but, yeah, you know, brothers fight, you know, it, it's only natural. It's probably the same with, you know, sisters and, you know, sisters with each other. It's, it's just when then things have grown up, you know, you fight, yeah, but then... You, it's you, got behind it. I mean, especially if you're kind of inclined to wrestle a lot anyway, like if, if you got exposed to wrestling from an early age you're going to want to wrestle and fight whoever's around you and your siblings are right there. So Exactly. Me, let me try an elbow drop. <laughs> from the top of this wardrobe or from the top of a climbing frame and you do stupid shit like that. But that's exactly. it. all part of the business. It's all part of growing up and learning and all that sort of stuff. So um, how, I, at what time did you kind of get into the business? Because you're how old now? Uh, I'm 29 now. Um oh. I'm not gonna lie. I did actually think you were quite a bit younger than that. <laughs> no, I, I wish I was. But you it's, know, it's, uh, the picture on your Skype of you looking all like cliche. <laughs> a bit. Yeah. So, um, so obviously, I'm 29 now, and I started um, in 2017. Um, oh, okay. So uh, I'm, I'm probably a bit of a late bloomer, to be honest, in regards to you know actually getting into wrestling. A lot of guys. You know, they tend to start in 14, 15, you know, um, teenage years sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it was actually Barry who started um, training first um, out in Preston. Um, and then obviously James Drake, who was, you know, a training uh, yeah. training in PCW at the time. Um, he ended up opening up Fighting Spirit Pro Wrestling with uh, Zach Gibson. And at the time for me, I, I wasn't able to get to Preston like due to the work that I was doing and stuff like that so um but then when one opened up in Mughal in Liverpool which is pretty much on my doorstep I was all for doing it and you know when went there loved it and stuck with it three years later here we are right so what um who would you credit with saying I'm guessing you watch it watching wrestling say late 80s early 90s that kind of era would that be about right I, I think like um you're looking at attitude era going into ah. that that's pretty much I, I still remember the first ever um wwe event i ever watched the the most you know potent memory of wrestling that i can remember is um it was kane's wwe debut 
a bad blow. It's 1997, I think. So I was six years old. And uh, obviously he made his debut, ripped the cage off the uh, Hell in the Cell, the, ripped the door off, sorry. Um, and I was hooked from there. So, um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. You just made me feel proper old because I can't <laughs> realise the year. The point, okay, 97, I'd have been 30, you know. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, but it's, it's fine. Everyone kind of gets into it um, at sort of different stages of their life. You know, like you said, like a lot of people get into this, 40, 15, 16. Um, but there are people that got that got into this business quite late. I mean, what DDP was into his late thirties? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that uh, <laughs> probably probably a name I probably shouldn't mention, but the Boogeyman got into it at forty forty one. Um, Santino Morale again, he kind of got into it late thirties. Um, so th- there is like plenty of uh, people out there that got into it at a later stage and they've done perfectly well for themselves. Yeah, I think so. It's. Um... You've got a lot of life experiences then to take you into it sort of thing, uh, which I think helps yeah, quite a lot. I, mean, I think because um, what 16-year-olds have got is energy. What 16-year-olds haven't got is life experience. They Their scope, uh, have they ever been dumped? Have they ever been done a dumping? Have they, have they, been, um, have they worked with people that are brown noses in, in offices and things like this? All them life experiences you can then pull into professional wrestling. Yeah, and exactly. It, and at 16, you've had a paper round, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're a milk monitor in, high, in, in primary school. So realistically, <laughs> you're not bringing all that much to the table. No. Exactly. So um, so obviously, you've been in this business just, just a couple of years, and you've kind of already got your foothold in it, way and above what a lot of other people have uh, kind of done for three years of this business. You're now a promoter as well. Yeah, so um, yeah, February this year, um, I mean, 2019, the tail end of 2019, myself and uh, another one of the fighting spirit trainees, Chris Welsh, um, we, we've always wanted to sort of give back to wrestling. Like, even though, you know, I'm still trying to make it as a professional wrestler, I also want to provide a platform for other people to expand their careers and get valued experience from you know incredible wrestlers in in, uh, in britain and um in 2019 we came up with the idea of blank canvas wrestling um and in february of this year um we had our debut show in baltic market in liverpool and it was a huge success we had about 150 people plus there and you know it, it was absolutely brilliant um so yeah also doing the promoting side of it now so i'm getting to see the wrestling world from both sides of the coin, really. I, mean, I think this um, sort of long term and, and in the short term is, is really going to benefit you because, say, you're still quite young to the business. You're three, four years deep. This is going to give you a second set of eyes, being a director of shows. Because I don't, I don't believe in the word booker and promoter. I think it's a bit of a strange concept. But being yeah. a director on shows, you kind of get to see. Oh, okay. I'm this point on the card we don't want anything too strong we're quite late on the card we need something a bit more paced differently so i think this is definitely gonna uh, add to your resume and definitely gonna add to your performance outside of promoting shows yeah i agree you know it's obviously having wrestled and been on promotions you know their run stuff like that um i've been able to feed that into what i'm doing you know um whilst also asking colleagues you know well, what do you like? What don't you like? What works? What doesn't work? And also always dipping into 
you know, more experienced brains, like, you know, the likes of Zach Gibson and people like that, just to get advice. And because yeah. I think if you have an ego where you think, oh, no, I know what I'm doing. You know, I don't need anyone's help. You, you're going to fail in, you know, this industry. It's all about asking people for help. Don't be scared to ask. You know, it doesn't make you, you know, any worse of a person for doing that. You know, it's it, it, it's there to be had. The knowledge is there. You just have to ask. And I've done that. And myself and Chris have been able to start off with this great new promotion. I mean, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. I mean, even someone such as uh, Keith Myatt, I mean, he's, he's a really good friend of mine, great mentor, uh, but he's 61, coming up soon. He's been in this business 40-plus years, and he'll still ask my advice on something, and that's the weirdest thing in the world. Yes. Yeah. I've, been, I've been around a quarter of the time, or sorry, I've been in the business a quarter of the time that he has, and he'll ask me for like tips on directing and tips on sort of views and all this sort of thing. And it's crazy because, well, he should know everything because he's been around for so long. But yeah. You've got to learn new technology, new ways of doing audio, new ways of doing uh, videography, things like this. And there's no one person in this world that can know it all. No. I think if you just keep asking questions for everyone, a DJ might give you a really good idea, a merch seller, the ring crew, someone might give you a little bit of a breadcrumb you turn into something bigger so i think you've hit the nail on the head just ask questions that's it it's it's all about asking you know like the current situation we're in you know there's no way anyone has knowledge of you know what you do in this situation everyone's probably talked to each other about this you know yeah. it's 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 just one of them things you just have to ask are, are we going to see a wave of zombie characters coming to wrestling? After this? <laughs> I, oh. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get, you know, some cheesy gimmicks going on at some point, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is one thing now that you're a promoter, you're going to have to deal with. You're going to start getting emails and uh, Facebook messages from potential wrestlers that want to get on board. And some are good. Some you're going to know about already. Some are going to completely hit you with something that you couldn't even foresee. I'll give you one example. Um, I've, I've, I gave this to, um, I think he was a disciple when I spoke to him the other day. It was someone from America, and he kind of dresses like Daffid from Little Britain. All right, uh, okay. He calls, he called himself <laughs> Bad Baby Bitch. He's an s and baby. God. Yeah, wow. so when that, okay. when that email came through, I thought, what would I even do with this? I mean, <laughs> get sacked and turfed out to my venues. I mean, bad baby bitch. Oh, wow. God. That's, yeah. That's... Yeah, so uh, <laughs> just start getting these emails and suggestions from people. Uh, good luck. I, I don't know how you're going to handle them, whether you'll just delete it, whether you'll say, do one, mate, or whether you'll... <laughs> I don't know. We've had uh, emails into the BCW inbox, but thankfully nothing's been uh, along them lines, you know, so fingers oh, crossed. Mate, it's, it's, it's coming. Like, it's <laughs> a long enough timeline for anything and that kind of weird shit will definitely fucking happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, you, so you've got you've got all that to come. So um, why did you, if, if this is, it's going to be a bit of a personal question, but why, if you're, yeah, you've been tagging with your brothers, I'm going to guess from early doors, did people yeah. stop putting it together? Uh, pretty much, yeah. We actually um, we made our debut in uh, Denmark when wow. um, we were picked by uh, Zach, Zach and uh, JD to um, to go to uh, Dansk Pro Wrestling, which is the biggest wrestling company in Denmark. 
Um, it's had the likes of Rampage Brown on there um, and Walter as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, we were only, I was only uh, five, six months in, I think, to my, or something like that. It might have been a year, actually. I think it was, a, yeah, yeah, a year in. Um, and that's actually where, where we made our, you know, professional tag team debut. Um, I mean, as pressure goes, that's stacking in quiet time, presumably a half a year into the biz. Pretty much, yeah. You know, it was in a, it was in a completely different country, obviously. Um, I mean, thankfully, they speak quite good English in Denmark. So, you know, we it, that I think that was another thought of, like, you know, language barriers and stuff like that in regards yeah. to, like, um, like, not just engaging with your colleagues, but also the fans and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was, it was a huge, like, pressure situation. But, you know, we came out came out of it with flying colours um, and then we were actually invited back to dance the year after um, but unfortunately we weren't able to go so but it's just one of the things but it, it was a great you know that's when we officially debuted in uh, in Denmark so so um, if you don't mind me asking I'm gonna, I'm just give me a personal question but I think that's why people are going to kind of tune in how come so Barry's not running Blank Canvas Wrestling uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's myself and Chris were the ones who you know were putting the money into it in, uh, in regards to to that to get it running. Yeah. Uh, but you know Barry is a, a part of BCW. You know he's it, um, he's still he's there on the shows. He's helping out. You know um, yeah, especially with like a lot of the organisation and that kind of thing. Almost um, like uh, a bit of an agent of sorts. Yeah, you could say that, yeah. You know, he he does have his hand in BCW. It's just that myself and Chris would be the, you know... The decision makers and putting the the caps on it, too. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Uh, did you did you not consider... I mean, I don't know if this if would even be an option, but um, you'll see, like, a lot of wrestlers that do open up companies, they all get their wife or girlfriend on board. <laughs> from, my own, <laughs> from my own personal experience, I wouldn't recommend it. That's just my own... Personal opinion, I've, I've, you know, um, and my ex still does run part of pressing for you, but it just got really, you start standing on each other's toes, and it's yeah. not a healthy thing to be in. No, I, I, I agree. You know, it's um, like I think it'll pretty much always be myself and Chris running things. But I mean, you've met Katie yourself, you know. Uh, no matter whether she's. A, you know, a figurehead or not, you know, she'll be there bossing people about, <laughs> you know, that's just the way she is, so, uh, but, you know, love the bones of her, but, yeah, it'll pretty much be me and Chris, I think, for, you know, the future. I mean, like, do you anticipate that, I mean, where are you going to take BCW? Like, what's the, have you got, like, a long-term goal? Was it a case of, look, we want to start the ball rolling and see which direction it goes in? Or have you got a bit more of a master plan? I think short-term plan is obviously just to start off quite small the way we have and provide a platform for younger, unexperienced wrestlers to perform against more experienced wrestlers in order to develop their skill sets. Um, yeah. You know, because the majority of the BCW roster is like the professionals, you know, the full-time guys, if, if you want to say. Um, they're trainers themselves. They've got training schools. They've had some form of training, you know, background uh, in wrestling. So um, 
that's what we're all about, really. At the minute, it's a sort of a developmental pr- promotion for Northwest talent. Um, <clears throat> um, but long-term goals, I mean, I, I don't think we can really plan for that because it depends really how BCW explodes. Um, hopefully it does. Um, yeah, we, we wanted to, you know, we're putting everything that we can into it just to develop people's careers primarily. That's, I think that's like short-term goals. Yeah, I mean, like from everything that I've seen so far, you're not running before you can walk. You, you're taking things at a very nice pace. You're not, um, you're not biting off more than you can chew. I think if things keep going in this direction, I think you've, you've got every chance of it being exactly whatever you want it to be. It, that's it. You know, it's. Um, I think our primary, as I said, that what that is our primary focus. Just what are we? We're developing people's careers and helping them. You know get more exposure to then maybe we'll get other promoters to come down and have a look at the talent and they can then feed in, you know, to, to them other promotions. That That's what we're all about. And I think that's a lot of the time what we're going to be focused on doing. Um, so if, you know, if people want to go somewhere where they can see the future of, you know, not just the Northwest, but the UK, because these guys will get about, especially young guys like Ethan Kelly, um, you know, BCW is the place to go and see them, you know, early in their careers. You know, you'll always have the younger guys who are more well known, you know, your Ethan Allen's, Chase Alexander. People already know these guys, but, you know, you can still see them, you know, as they're developing. They're not the finished article by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But seeing them put against these, you know, stars is, you know, a brilliant opportunity. And I think that's what we're always going to focus on in the short term of just getting people that exposure. I mean, I honestly think you've got like every chance of making it a success. And I really do hope the ABCW uh, just go the difference, uh, the distance, sorry. Um, but in terms of, um, so obviously we've got about promoting other people, but in terms of promoting yourself, you're three to four years deep into this business. If I had to, if you had to close tomorrow and say, okay, I am done with actually professional wrestling, have you got sort of two or three matches that you'd say this? Whether it would be not necessarily the biggest draw or the made the biggest amount of money, but for two to three matches that you go, well, I am so proud of this body and work. Would you have sort of two or three examples of that? In regards to ones that I've been a part of? Yeah, one, ones that you've actually uh, you've been in with yourself. So not that you've promoted, ones that you've actually been in. Yeah, so uh, I think... One of the main ones that stands out is uh, it was my second match in Fighting Spirit um, as as a promotion, uh, and it was a um, it was a eight man tag. It was myself, uh, Cad Lloyd, James Drake, and Zach Gibson going up against uh, Screwface Armor, Chase Alexander, Cam Solas, um, and Jimmy Jones. Um, yeah. And- <laughs> Our entire team, like our team, were all in boiler suits. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> I cannot tell you how hot it is in a boiler suit wrestling. The sweat was dripping off us. Um, but it, it was one match that I absolutely loved to be a part of. Um, it, it was brilliant. Just um, I did a dive over a balcony and stuff like that. You know, it, it was just the whole 
planning it, and it was just brilliant. Uh, it was amazing did, to be a part of. How did boiler suits come around at that point? Did you give like a Michael Myers from Halloween kind of deal, or what's going on I, with that? I can't remember how it was uh, coming about. I think it was. Um, I don't know if um, James Drake had um, wore a boiler suit um, at another promotion. I think it might have been Future Shock, and it followed from that, um, and just came up. With, the idea, let's, let's wear boiler suits. I was like, <laughs> okay, let's do it. Um, so it's just one of them things, yeah, that came about. Um, I'd probably say uh, another one that stands out would be um, at This Is Wrestling. Uh, it was a couple of months ago. We had a, a street fight sort of match with a Merseyside mercenary squad. Yeah. We've wrestled... Um, Dan and Scott Oberman a hell of a lot. You know, myself and Barry. Think of like, you know, you had like the Hardy Boys and Dudleys. They they were like they were our Dudleys to our Hardy Boys sort of things. <laughs> yeah. Um that's and it was this culmination of a year's building towards this like final match, the big blow off. Um and it I think that that was a really enjoyable match that, you know, lived long with me, definitely. And then I would say the as a singles competitor, I when I won the um the singles tournaments at Unstoppable Wrestling last year, that was that was oh, pretty yeah. cool. Because I think that was like the first, you know, sort of it, it, obviously not a title but like tournament and sort of thing that I'd ever won in, in wrestling. Um so that was that was quite enjoyable. Uh that I've still got the uh, the little <laughs> cup that Phil got here. Uh, on the mantelpiece in the front room. <laughs> because it was the main event with um, yourself and Mark Morgan, is that right? That's right, yeah, yeah. I, I should know this stuff. I mean, I announced that show. I mean, I really should know it, but bloody hell. <laughs> um, yeah, because I remember driving home with, uh, with Mark Morgan, because we were both stokies, so we, we travelled together, and uh, like he was really impressed. Like you impressed him so much in that match because I, I don't know if he'd met you before or if he's just no, I've it, never it, met it. him before. No. Um, but he, he just said like you were so like easy to work and you were there for everything. There was no, nothing major that you know, he'd want to change. He was just so impressed with yeah because both of you are three matches deep on that show. The venue was sweltering. <laughs> yeah. I was sweating. I was sweating through my seat. <laughs> Horrible, but even by that point, I think it was a seven or eight match card. Both yeah. you two had done three matches each, and yeah. you still gave it absolutely everything. And I say you impressed Mark, you impressed myself, you impressed um, everyone at that point. So I mean, you will give go give yourself a lot of credit for that. Yeah, it was. I mean, I didn't know Mark said any of that, but you know, it was, it was the first time I was ever meeting him. Yeah, um, I mean, he, um, won't give, he won't give sort of um, compliments out left, right and centre. He's a bit more reserved in that respect. He might just give you a little bit of a nod and a wink, but he'll never sit down and, and kind of overly compliment. Uh, that, that's just his way. That's just the kind of person that he is. But yeah. t- telling me on the way home, he was very, very impressed. Um, he did have to stop the car. I probably shouldn't say this. He did have to stop the car. <laughs> Because I think um, you hit like a lung blower on him and he might have hit his head a little bit. Or he oh, right. Oh, and uh, it, knocked him, it knocked him a bit sick. So right before we were about to set off, he had to like pull over. He was like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to throw up. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, God. Opened his car door and uh, threw up a bit of protein shake. So uh, that, was, that was lovely. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it, was, it was a massive compliment to you. I mean, he likes 
wrestling them kind of matches where he can really feel out someone and there's a personal um uh, there's something personal at stake and he really enjoyed it so even if he's never complimented you and told you I can tell you from you know, from being told by him, he really enjoyed it, and you got on his radar. You got on my radar. I mean, you were booked for press and view off the back of the, that, that series of matches. That there you go. It it works, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's brilliant to know. That's, that's awesome. Like I didn't know that. It's it's always nice to hear you know someone say that kind of stuff about you. Because I've, I've got to give both, um, yourself and Barry a lot of confidence. I'm saying this to. Uh, to Matt Burns, he, he did a, I did a podcast with him yesterday. He said, like, well, when you're a promoter, and again, you're going to go down the same route. When people know that you're a promoter, they kind of change how they talk to you. Because you're not necessarily one of the boys, you're not necessarily one of the talent. You're, oh, by the way, he's got his own promotion. And all of a sudden, they start talking to you a little bit differently. Yeah. <laughs> they start angling stuff in your direction. They'll come up and say, oh, did you watch that? I mean, I put a little bit in for you. It's very... <laughs> sickly sweet because they, they don't mean any harm but it's just a bit creepy if, if that's even the right word and yeah. yourself and Barry weren't like that at all I mean I introduced myself as filthy and person for you but you two didn't change you're like alright mate that's cool nice to meet you and there was no change and I thought instantly I like that way of doing stuff yeah yeah. I, I think that's just the way we are you know we treat everyone as we see them you know you're not you're not Phil the promoter, you just Phil. <laughs> that that's it, you know. Um... Just some sweaty dickhead god <laughs> in, in, in a suit, you know. In a suit, that's it. Like we 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 don't we don't put like labels or titles on anyone, you know. It's it's literally just you are who you are. Right? Exactly. But you are gonna obviously start to experience that. People just kind of treat you a little bit different if they can maybe sense that they could probably get something out of you. Well, that's just all part of the roller coaster of, of being talent and then being into a promoter. Yeah, that's it. It's, I think it's just the world, you know, the wrestling injury itself. You know, that's I think that's just something that I'll have to deal with being, you know, a wrestler myself and then also doing a bit of promoting as well. Exactly. I mean, if you'd have just come into this business just as a promoter, I think you'd be a bit different because people knew you as talent first. It's seeing that transition of, oh, yeah, he's, he's an all right wrestler. Wait, what is a promoter as well? Oh, <laughs> it's strange, but it's one of the things you just have to get used to, unfortunately. I mean, I'm still getting used to it nine years uh, on, you know, nine years promoting, 13 years of performing. It, it takes a bit of getting used to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, right, so we're going to ch- not necessarily chuck you under the bus a little bit, but you're not necessarily known for pulling any pranks. You're kind of known as being you know, a genuinely nice guy in this business. But is there anything that you want to kind of admit to, to maybe playing a bit of a rib on someone, whether it's in the car, going to a show, whether it's at a show, anything like this you want to kind of admit to? Uh, um, I can't, honestly... You must have played a prank on either your missus or Barry. You must have done. It's <laughs> thinking back to it. Times um, we're cut off. Um, <laughs> Ones that you can safely bring up and not be put <laughs> yeah, out yeah. the family or don't. I I'm honestly struggling to think of a moment that I've done something like that. I'm, I sound completely boring now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I can't for the life of me think of one. Have you ever had any, any prank done on you? Um, 
No, not yet. <laughs> I must not like. I don't know. I must just be this boring guy who no one wants to prank or I don't prank people. I'll, maybe I'll... you just kind of fly under the radar because you yeah, you are known as being a really nice guy. So maybe people go, no, we don't want to prank him. He's not a dickhead. We want to prank a dickhead and you know, get I'm... something out of him. Where pranking a nice guy doesn't really work. I mean, I, I'm welcome welcoming all pranks from here and you know here on out. Feel oh. free to prank. Please prank me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! So, well, ladies and gents, if you're listening to this and you happen to meet Martin on a show, whether it's at uh, Preston Pew or Blank Canvas or wherever he, he wrestles, uh, he just he just he, yeah, he left the door open. So, if you want to prank yeah. him, do it. Absolutely, absolutely, go ahead. <laughs> Give him some of your best. As long as you don't touch his beard, I think he's relatively yeah. okay. Don't touch the beard. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so we're going to ask you a couple of roundtable questions. So obviously at this point in time, Dark Side of the Ring is doing its rounds and it's kind of highlighting some quite bad stuff in the wrestling business. No more or no less than any other business, but for whatever reason, wrestling gets demonised a lot in the media. Um, so we kind of want to ask you a couple of questions to get your take on some sort of mainstream topics, if that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Fantastic. I'm going to chuck you quite a bit of a difficult one. Should steroids be banned in professional wrestling or is it a case of it's not a sport, it's a performance art? Should Is steroids okay for wrestling? Um, well, that's a difficult one because if you look at guys like, what's the name, Brian Cage, I don't think it's a big stretch of the imagination to say that he's on, he's on the gas. Right. I think... It is a difficult one, you know. I think I think it it should just be nailed down to you know people's personal preferences on what they want to do. You know, it's it's their career. If if they feel like they have to use that to get to where they want to be, then they, you know that that's on them to use it. It's you know it it is sports entertainment in it, in you know so like if if they want to use that towards their character or whatever then let them do that um i personally you know it do, it doesn't affect me and stuff like that in regards to what i'm doing so if, if they you need... you're going up against like like a Brian Cage or somebody like that that's that's quite open about being um on on the juice on the gas call it what you want would that affect your match planning with someone that you knew was going on this or don't it phase you not really, no. I think as long as the the only thing I want to know that they're going to do is keep me safe. That's it. Like if if them steroids help you lift me up and keep me up and keep me in a safe position, that's fine. You know, it's it's just one of them. <laughs> that, that's that's a good, that's a good way of looking at it. That, that's, no one's come up with that response yet. I think that's a really good thing. And the bigger someone is, the bigger crash pad they are. So if I land <laughs> on them. There's a lot more there to catch me. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's it. But that's, you know, uh, yeah, that's perfect. It's it, it's it's just a way to think of it. If if the you know, ball and muscle also helps keep you safe as a performer, then you know it's it's beneficial in that way. Um, but you can obviously see like the negative sides to why people think it's you know unfair or whatever. But I think it's always going to be one of them. You know one of them topics up for discussion. Um, I mean, the people that say it's unfair for me, I always kind of go down the route of, you can be as big as you want, but as long as I've got a hole in my ass, the 
the people that get over fully in this business are people that've got personality, and steroids don't grow a personality. No, they don't. That's, that's... So they, if they want to go on the gas, that's cool. They want to be big, that's cool. But they're not going to entertain me. And if you look at guys like um, Nathan Jones and the Rybacks of this world, the bigger, bigger guys that some yeah. people quoted as being on, on the juice and whatever, it doesn't overly lead to success, especially not now. Yeah, late 80s, definitely. Yeah. Now, 2020, maybe not. Maybe not yeah. so much. Yeah, I think we're definitely in a stage now where the whole body aspect of it isn't as prominent as it was you know in the 80s as you said and stuff like that because people's characters get over a lot more than you know the way they look um so yeah yeah i'm, I'm very much with you on that i'll, I'll give you one more round table question because i think you're going to be quite opinionated on this one so montreal screw job who screwed bret hart Oh. <laughs> um, it's a difficult one because Ryan Myatt said it was an entire he thinks it's uh, all a work and I didn't expect that kind of response from him so like oh okay fair enough that's, but that's it's something everyone's got thoughts and opinions on that's a very interesting response <laughs> um, but no I love Ryan um, I mean I've I have obviously watched you know the, the videos and the documentaries that have come out surrounding it um you've obviously got the two sides like the wrestler side and the promoter's side you know was Vince right was you know all that kind of stuff um I I honestly don't know like I think it's going to be one of them things that no one will ever know the true you know reasons behind it no matter how many stuff they release I, I don't think anyone will ever truly know like what what happens you know behind closed doors i mean i think uh, um I, I up until i started promoting i think i'd probably agree with Bret Hart, but now that i see the promoter side we're like no no we need you to drop the belt doesn't matter yeah. that it's a town we need you because the, the business has been built on when you leave you do the job for someone that's yeah. you know, tried and tested that's been done since forever so i kind of see the vince side of things and I don't want to because it seems a bit cold but if I'm giving people the orders and, and I say this is what I need to happen and they don't want to because of they've got creative control they've got they don't want to do it in their own backyard they, oh, I don't know that if I'd been in Vince's situation if I'd have done anything different it, it, it is a very difficult situation I think if that was someone with for example a BCW belt you know and they wanted to, you know, obviously, it wants to, to go to another promotion and stuff like that. You, you would then feel like, well, no, it needs to stay here. You know, it's our name. It, you know, it belongs to us in a sense. Um, but then as, you know, you've got the flip side as the wrestler. Well, no, you know, I've got the creative control, stuff like that. You know, I'm the champion. And it's just, it's always going to be that, you know, who was right, who was wrong. I, I, there'll never be a, I don't think there'll be a right or wrong answer in regards to it. Because you'll always get, you know, contradicting um, arguments for it and stuff like that. So, so you're kind of sitting on the fence on this one a little bit. You're kind of mm, don't really know what I would do. Don't really trust the situation, perhaps. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I don't think I could commit to either side because, you know, I, I think they they both put up good arguments in regards to you know why they needed you know why everything was done um yeah 
that's, that's fair enough. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it's it's definitely a topic that divides a lot of people. So I think it's always good to kind of chuck one out there because I say I'd never expected Ryan Mike to think that it, the entire thing was a work. <laughs> that's a long. You know, year. It's been a, in work for a long time. <laughs> yeah, long I mean time. that's. Well, you know what? It's still a possibility. You never know. It could be that. So I, I can't completely poo-poo it. So it is no. what it is. Right. So we're going to get to the final part of the uh, of the podcast. I'm going to chuck some names out at you. Some might be from WWE. Some might be from AEW. Some might be from BCW for Pressing View or British Wrestling. Whatever, wherever. And I just need from you the first word that comes into your head when I mention these particular superstars. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't edit Ryan Myatt's. I'm not going to say the word that he said for a certain person, but needless to say, he probably isn't going to get <laughs> anytime soon. So, not trying to chuck you under the bus and lose your bookings, but it's always worth bearing in mind. But the first okay. word that come into your head when you hear these people. Ready to start? Yes. Zach Gibson. Uh, legend. Alexis Falcon. Uh, talented. Magic Mark Adams. Talented. Babyface Pitbull. Knowledgeable. Okay, oh, I didn't anticipate that one. Everyone else made a noise. They made the Babyface Pitbull noise. They never gave a word, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, Mark Morgan. Talented again. <laughs> I'm using the same word. They're all talented I'm noticing, I'm noticing a bit of a pattern here, dude. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all talented people. <laughs> uh, drill. Wigan. <laughs> the first one that you're not saying talented for. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Drill. I'm very sorry. Just screams Wigan. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that that's what I'd say. Wig, Wigan Kebab. He introduced me to one of them. And he's absolutely disgusting. It's just a pie and a bap. Absolutely disgusting. Um, Keith Myatt. Respect. Uh, Chris Jericho. <laughs> I'm struggling with these. It's trying to think of. Um... You can call him talent if you want. That's charisma, fine. charisma, natural uh, charisma. Joey Hayes. Oh, um, underrated. Yeah, I, I've, I've got a couple of notes next to some of these names. He's uh, someone that I've just thought, I don't get how he isn't on TV somewhere. It's crazy. Yeah. Should have a contract uh, somewhere. And last but not least, Barry Draper. <laughs> I was going to insult him then, but I won't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Best friend. Oh, say wonderful. See, because I, I, I did ask uh, Ryan Meyer about his dad, and he said I can three words, and I think one of them was dickhead. But he said it in a lovingly way, so that's, that's not too bad. Best friend. <laughs> Perfect way to sum it up. All right, so we have come to the end of the podcast, Marty. Thank you so much for doing this. Is there anyone that either you want to give a shout out to, or anything that you want to promote of your own? Um, just um, shout out to all the uh, PW for you fans um stick stick with the promotion through this you know situation stick with you know every promotion you know we'll we'll all get through this strange situation together um and you know rest and we'll be back as you know as soon as it can and we can all return back to a normal life and you know anybody wants to come see you know blank canvas wrestling um hopefully when all this is over um we'll get our next show and running and you know it's the next promotion to keep an eye out for definitely fantastic i did it absolutely perfectly so thank you very much mark this has been an absolute pleasure to speak to you so ladies and gents uh, this has been episode five 
with myself, Mr. Phil Woodbine of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops. He's been Martin Draper. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.